0: preach a message to you today from the subject that I'm titling, He Got Up and Why It Matters. He Got Up and Why It Matters. Why it's important to recognize, realize, come to the conviction that Jesus didn't stay in the grave. In fact, he got up and it's a big deal. I think if we're not careful, we can become so familiar with the reality of the resurrection that It could tend to lose its power, its grip, its fascination, its pull on our hearts to stir us, to draw us near, to lead us deeper in worship. He got up and why it matters. There's four different gospel books in the Bible. There's Matthew written by a Jewish man who came to know Jesus right from the sinner's tax booth. He came to know Christ. He wrote a gospel account called Matthew, right? And then you see Mark's gospel. He was a younger man when he wrote his gospel and he was a disciple of Peter. And then you have a guy named Luke and Luke was a Greek physician and so he comes from a little bit of a different angle but he wrote a gospel account called the Gospel of Luke. And then there's the Gospel of John and John wrote a gospel account. And all four of these gospel accounts have a Easter story. In other words, all four of them tell of the resurrection. I know those stories best when it comes to Jesus getting up, kind of like what Asa read earlier out of Matthew, that the angel appeared to the women and said, he's not here, right? I love those versions, but for this Easter message, it might be a little bit different as I felt like the Lord was taking me deeper into a passage that may be less familiar, but not less powerful, Um, The Apostle Paul is a church planter, as we've been talking about church planting here. He was a church planter. Saul was his name originally. He was a persecutor. He had people killed for their belief in Jesus. He would have shown up at this church on Easter Sunday ready for war. right? But God loves to take Saul's and turn them into Paul's. God loves to appear to people who are broken and sinful and persecutors and all types of addictions, etc. And God loves to say, i got a plan for you. I'd love to use you for my kingdom. That's what God did with Saul. And so Saul got radically saved. He got new eyes. He got new ears. He got a new mind. And God used him to plant churches all across the world. One of the churches he planted was in a city called Corinth. Corinth was a lot like Las Vegas, known as the city of sin, right? But we believe this is the city of him, amen, because God is at work here in a real way. But in Corinth, Paul planted a church in Paul would leave, and then the church would write a letter to Paul, and in this letter to the Corinthians, they said, hey, Paul, we got issues in the church. Aren't you glad that the Bible doesn't record a perfect church, right, that the Bible records churches that have all types of issues, like the Corinthian church had sexual sin in it, had idolatry. Some people were like, I want to be baptized by Paul, but I want to be baptized by Apollos when it doesn't matter as much who does it. It matters who you believe in when you do it, right? Right? Uh, Some people were talking about, hey, you know, like, I'm better than you. I'm more elite than you. There was abuse of spiritual gifts. It was chaos all over the church. And one of the things that was happening in the Corinthian church is that people were starting to plague the church with false teaching. In other words, there was people that were starting to say, hey, Jesus didn't really rise from the grave, did he? Like, did he really get up? Like, did Jesus really get up? And so Paul got this letter where people were questioning the validity of the resurrection. And so Paul writes back in his letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he addresses these questions. So if you're ready, say ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. eat. Father, as we get ready to eat from your word on this great Easter Sunday, April 4th, 2021, give us a moment with you. God, I pray we would experience the power of the resurrection afresh here today. walk church those online those in person Holy Spirit enter the room speak to our hearts we invite you in in Jesus name amen Amen. starting in first Corinthians chapter 15 we'll pick it up in verse 12 if you're there say "I'm I'm there if you got a hard copy of your Bible or an iPod or iPhone or some eyelids if you're there say I'm there Everybody should be there, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ. Whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, well, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, everybody say, in fact, Come on, one more time, in fact. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen, right? I just feel like I want to shout all service long that he got up. This text is teaching us here. The rea- okay, we're like, should we clap or not? Should we clap? Yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it, right? But in fact, he did get up. Right? And I want to talk to you about why that's so important to us today. Because if he didn't get up, let me just say this we're in trouble. If Jesus did not rise from the grave 2,000 plus years ago, you and I are in trouble. We're in trouble spiritually, we're in trouble eternally. This is not something that you want to risk, this is not something you want to get wrong. But I came to encourage you that he got up, and I want to tell you today why. It matters, and I wanna to talk to you from these scriptures. I like how Adrian Rogers, the great preacher from Memphis, once said it. He said, the resurrection is not merely important to historic Christian faith. Without it, there would be no Christianity. It's the single, singular doctrine that elevates Christianity above all other world religions. The, the resurrection of Christ sets Christianity apart from every other faith claim. When I went to college, I had the option of what I wanted to major in. And I saw all these different options. The one that I picked was religious studies. I began to study all the different world religions, all the different faiths. What I realized is every faith has this reality that there was somebody who came to earth and proclaimed a message about God that required us to work really hard to climb this ladder in hopes that one day We could climb high enough and God would have mercy on us and let us into heaven. The difference in Christianity is that we can't work hard enough to get up there. Jesus came down the ladder for us. He comes and steps into our place, our world, puts on our skin, lives the life that we couldn't live, sinless, perfect, spotless, then dies the death we deserve to die because we couldn't earn it. He needed to earn it for us. And then he gets placed in a grave. But this text is telling us that if he stays in that grave, it's meaningless. But on the third day, come on somebody, he got up. He did that thing, right? He, he did something that nobody else has ever done, that nobody else could say, I raised myself from the grave Maybe you've heard of this figure. In the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of Harry Houdini. Harry Houdini. He was an illusionist. He was a studier of magic. He had all types of tricks up his sleeve. It was known of Harry Houdini that he could escape from anything, right? You could put him in the best jail. He was breaking out of it. You could put handcuffs on Houdini. He was getting them loose. You could put him in a milk can or a water torture cell. You could seal him in a boiler and drop him down into water. One of his famous magic tricks was he was locked up in a boiler, dropped down into water, and appeared next to everybody, right? That was something that Houdini was known for. He would get put in chained coffins, and some thought he even possessed supernatural powers. He had the mind of a genius. He could escape anything, But Houdini realized that everybody has an expiration date, right? 100% of the people in this room will one day die. Our bodies will give out on us. That's what happened to him. And in October of 1926, Harry Houdini died. But before he died, he told his wife that he was going to give her a secret code word and that he was even going to escape death. And he said, on my birthday, I want you to light a candle, I want you to pull out my picture, and I want you to watch because I'm going to appear through this code word. And that first year, his birthday came, and she lit the candle, and she got the picture of Houdini, and she stared at it, and she looked around, and she waited. No code word appeared. The next year, she did the same thing on the birthday, but the secret code word didn't appear. The following year, she did the same thing. For 10 straight years, Houdini's wife would get this candle lit. She would wait. She would watch. She would listen, and no code word appeared until on the 10th year, she blew the candle out to never do it again, giving up on the hope that he could conquer the grave. Friend, I want to tell you what Harry Houdini couldn't do. Come on, my Savior did in three days, amen? That Jesus was able to do the thing that even the greatest of illusionists, the magicians, the people that couldn't get the job done on their own, Jesus died and rose from the grave just like he said he would do, and it matters. It matters. I want to talk to you about why It matters, and I'm going to talk to you about why it matters from a different perspective. From the perspective of what if it didn't happen? Where would we be at today? This is what Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14. It says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. I hate this verse right here. If Jesus didn't get up, that means I'm out of a job. That means that what we're doing right here is pretty ridiculous. That means what I'm talking about in the signage all around, starting a church, et cetera, planting more churches built on the resurrection is all in vain, family. Let me tell you what the word in vain means. It's an adjective. It's the Greek word kenos. It means to produce no result. For something to be in vain, it means it's useless. For something to be in vain, it has no real value. The preaching of this message today, family, has no value for you if he didn't get up. It doesn't have significance if he didn't get up. It's not important. It's baseless. It's worthless. It's senseless. It's foolish, church. If Jesus didn't get up, then this message right here is what the Bible calls empty. Another translation says that if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is empty. And I'm sad to say that there's a lot of preaching today that's already empty, and Jesus has been raised from the grave, because we don't focus on this enough, church that Jesus Christ didn't stay buried long. He got up, and that should do something to us. That should make us want to shout. That should make this message do something. If Jesus didn't get up, preaching's powerless, church. Friend, preaching is powerless. Oh, but if he did get up, preaching is powerful. If Jesus did get up, this message is different. This is a supernatural message. Romans 1.16 says, I'm unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. First to the Jewish person, then to the Gentile person. It's for all of us. My friend, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, his preaching is powerless. Tim Keller said it like this. He said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. But I'm believing here today, he got up. Amen? That's what we're anchored on. You're going to get tired of hearing that phrase, but I hope it gets deep down into our hearts. Jesus didn't rise, then not only is preaching useless, preaching powerless, but he didn't rise our faith is useless right as we look at this text one more time it says if christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain i want to tell you something that might be a spoiler alert it might sound like bad news if christ didn't get up from the grave your faith is useless your faith doesn't have any more use to it because he didn't get up in fact he's still buried somewhere in israel and he can't help you here today because dead people can't help us but alive people can especially those who are god in the flesh who died and rose from the grave and said i'll be with you wherever you go faith is useless if we don't have a savior who got up remember what vain means no result no value. No significance. Oh, my friend, but if he did get up, our faith is useful. Oh, our faith has great power to it. The the belief of things that even you can't see is producing great works. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 20. He said, truly, I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, a mustard seed in itself is small, but the grain of the mustard seed it's like a little baby seed you will say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you amen he says it takes faith to have that type of mentality that's different than the mamba mentality right i like that's the mary mentality that's Jesus' mom who said i believe that nothing's impossible for me because my god is alive because jesus got up from the grave we can have faith in a savior who can do all things I love this verse. It's one of my favorite walk verses. I love the walk verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Come on, let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Friend, we walk by faith. Our faith has legs to it. We walk by faith. We walk in Christ, but that's not important if he didn't get up. But that's everything if he did. If he didn't get up, our faith is in vain. Our faith is empty. Our faith is useless. I would even dare to say we should pray prayers that say, increase our faith, Lord. That's exactly what the disciples prayed. In Luke 17, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. But if Jesus didn't get up, our faith is in vain. Not only is our faith in vain, but our preaching is powerless. And not only that, but our disciples that we're reading about were deceived. We have a Bible that's full of disciples' testimony. You got Matthew's testimony, John's testimony, Mark's testimony, Luke's testimony, Paul's testimony. Friend, if they're not telling the truth, what we're reading is a lie. That should scare you. Because I'm not a fan of being deceived, amen? I don't know anybody that's in it to be lied to. But I want to encourage you with today that these disciples that we're reading are not lying. They're actually attesting to the reality that Jesus got up. I know that this to be true in my own life. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen somebody tell a lie to not get in trouble. right? No, I, I say, I'll say that. I've seen people tell a lie to not get in trouble I've seen people tell lies. I've seen kids say, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, right? But at the same time, they might be like, all right, fine, it was me. I just didn't want to get in trouble. But what we see with the disciples is that they're telling a story that's going to get them in trouble. If these disciples were deceived, if these disciples were lying, if these disciples were believing something that wasn't true and they knew it, why would they do what they did? Did you know, historically, all 12 disciples... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Bartholomew, he usually gets left out. Thaddeus, they don't have as cool of names, right? Shout out to any Thads in the room, no offense, please don't don't send me an email, right? Um, There's all 12 disciples. All 12 disciples were outcasts for their faith and ended up being martyred for their faith. They declared powerfully that Jesus Christ rose, and because their confidence was in the resurrection, they died. By faith. They died willingly. They died joyfully because they're going to somebody who already conquered death. It propelled them to say, what can you do to me? The apostle Paul said, if I'm living, it's for Christ. If I'm dying, I'm gaining. The disciples were either telling the truth or they were deceived. I love Peter's testimony. We find in the disciple Peter that he denied Jesus three times on the difficult night of his life, right? Jesus, right, he's getting sent away, getting ready to be crucified. Peter, his disciple, shows up, and Peter, what does he say? I don't even know this guy. What a betrayer. I I don't know him. Three times he says, I don't know him. But when Jesus rises from the grave, we see a different Peter, don't we? Next thing you know, Peter runs into the same area that he denied Jesus a couple weeks later, and he says, now I'm ready. I got new faith. I got resurrection power in me. What can you say to me? Peter storms into Caiaphas in Annas in the same area that he denied him a couple weeks later, and he says, no, 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 I changed my story. He got up. He got up. I was just kicking it with him. We were eating pita bread. Come on. He got up. Peter... Attest to the resurrection, Acts 4 verse 1, it says, And as they were speaking to the people, to the priests, and the captain of the temple, this is dangerous stuff, to the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus that the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Why would you, why would you go to jail for a lie? If Jesus didn't get up, the disciples are deceived. But I don't think that they were deceived. I think that they have a testimony we should listen to. Now, Thomas, he doubted. We call him Doubting Thomas until he saw the holes in his hands. And Thomas then declared, my Lord, my God, he is who he says he is. He got up like he said he would. He got up. If he didn't, then the disciples are deceived and we're in trouble. But this next one, I think, is the worst out of the different points. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. I I, want to challenge everybody in the room and everybody that's watching this online to lean in for a moment. That if Christ didn't rise from the grave, somebody still needs to pay for your sins. And you can't do it because you are already a sinful person who needs somebody who's sinless to pay for it. The reality is, Romans six twenty three is true. It says that the wages of sin is death. That, that God owes you a wage. Like, payday's great until God says it's payday. Like, we love automatic deposit until God says, you're up. The wages that I owe you is death. Because you're sinful, you've missed my mark, the mark of God you've missed, and so you have to pay the penalty for that, and that penalty is actually your life, it's death. Now either you can pay that death penalty, or God could send his own son to pay it for you. The reality of the gospel is that God sends Jesus to do what you couldn't do yourself. And if you asked me to die for you, I'm telling you no. And not only no, I can't die for you because I'm sinful too. The only sacrifice that God would accept would be a sinless, perfect, spotless lamb, which when Jesus steps on the scene, John says, there he is. The spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus would go into the grave and he would die for our sin. But friend, if he stays in the grave, 1 Corinthians 15 says that we're still in our sins. That we haven't been counted as justified yet. If Jesus doesn't get up, we're not justified. It's interesting language. It's actually legal terms. For all my legal friends in the house, if we got any lawyers or attorneys, this is a word for you. I'm so grateful that the Jesus I believe in is not only the king of kings, he's not only Jesus the good shepherd, he's not only Jesus the savior, come on, he's Jesus the lawyer, amen? I love Jesus the lawyer. I need Jesus to stand up when I get to heaven and Satan steps in and says, yo, Haydn did this, 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 this. I need lawyer Jesus to say, yeah, I paid for all that. I need lawyer Jesus to plead my case for me. I can't do it myself. I can't say, well, I got enough good deeds to outweigh my bad deeds because even my good deeds are filthy rags to God. I need a lawyer Jesus to say, check out these hands, check out this blood. I died and I rose. I can justify this sinner named Hayden. Lawyer Jesus may be my favorite Jesus. First John chapter 2 Verse 1 says it like this, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. This resurrection message should help us not sin. But if anyone does sin, this is my verse, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. We have an advocate who steps in and says, wait, 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 wait. Already paid for that. When Jesus on the cross says it is finished, wow, that's the good news. We have an advocate who steps in and pleads our case to the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And that's how we get justified. The definition for justified, to get justice, the definition to be justified is to be declared innocent, to be declared guiltless, to be declared acquitted, absolved. By God the Father, the righteous judge. I've heard people say this all the time. Hey, I don't know about that. I, and only God can judge me. And I always say, well, what, you say that like that's a good thing. How are you going to beat the case? You better have a, a lawyer that died for you and, and bought you back with blood and not just stayed dead, but rose from the grave and said, death, you've lost your sting. I love Romans four, verse 25. It says, he was delivered over to death for our sins. We need the cross. Don't miss the cross, friends. Without the cross, we don't have somebody to pay for our penalty. But he was raised to life for our justification. So for you to be forgiven and justified Forgiven of all your sins, counted just, righteous, and holy before God the Father, you need a sinless Savior to rise from the grave. I love these lyrics of this song. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. But I love this part. Rising, come on, he justified, right? And one day he's coming. And friend, that is a glorious day. If he didn't rise from the grave, sin is triumphant. But if he did rise from the grave, sin is defeated. We believe that to be true. Let me give you the fourth point here that really rocks me. In fact, the fifth point, it says that in verse 18, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, death is dominant. Death is the one that's dominating life. The word dominant means to be in control. The word dominant means authority. The word dominant means somebody to be sovereign over your life. If Jesus didn't get up from the grave, you know who's controlling your life? Death. If death is dominant, then I would say life is nothing but a cruel joke. I've seen too many people die in this past year, friends. If death is the final call, if death is the final sting, if death is all we have, then death is dominant. Then really the reality is we just need to go home. It's survival of the fittest. This is all we got. We better maximize it to the fullest. It's dog eat dog. Get out of my way. I'm trying to win. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave and death is dominant, you better try to can all you get and get all you can because this is it. You can't take it with you. But if he did get up, friend, death is no longer dominant. Death is defeated. Amen. If Jesus got up, he even looked at death and said, you can't hold me down. Therefore, you can't hold my people down. Well, if you're on team Jesus, you're on the winning team. Even death can't hold you. I love this reality statement for my note takers, you can just write this down and maybe it'll help you, it's helped me. Death is no longer dominant when Christ has dominated the grave. Death can no longer be the final place for your life when death has already been dominated by Christ himself. I just recently alluded to this, it's no secret that it has been a challenging year for everybody, Amen. Right, 2020 caught us all by surprise. In fact, it caught me by surprise, especially as I've officiated more funerals in the past year than I've done in my entire ministry journey. And each one has been difficult. Each one has been challenging. Each one has been sorrowful. But can I share something with you? When family members look me in the eye and say, yo, my mom, my brother, my uncle, My friend loved Jesus. Those funerals are so much easier for me to do for those people than any of the other ones. You know why? Because I can look at those people and say, listen to me, by the authority of the resurrection, death is no longer dominant. We have a Savior who gives us hope, and this hope is living. That's why Paul says we don't grieve like the world grieves. The world grieves without hope. We grieve with hope. We grieve with the reality that one day, I'm gonna see them again. And not only am I gonna see them again, they've already been justified. They got a new body, a new mind, and a new eternity. They just beat me there. I'm going. They just got there first, right? People in heaven are like, don't pray me down here. I don't want, like, I'm in a new place. Your best life isn't now. This right here is a training ground. This right here is not a playground. This is a battleground. Spiritual warfare. We're on the winning team. But, friend, I want to tell you, if Jesus didn't get up, we're in bad shape because this is all we got. And it's not pretty. It is messy, but, friend, we have better news. John Stott said, we live and die, but Christ died and lived. And if we're with him, then we're living too. We're living hope. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. But if Jesus stays dead, we're sleeping too. But friend, there's hope for a new destiny, and I don't want you to miss it. Let me give you the, the sixth and final point, and we'll be done you got a six-point message here today. Come on, I hopefully has some full plate for you that you can be helpful in your time of stress. You can remember that he got up and he's not done with you yet. Amen? Amen? It tells us if, if Christ didn't get up, we have hope in this life only. We are, of all people, most to be pitied. If Jesus didn't get up, Like what Mr. T once said, I pity the fool that believed in a guy that didn't rise. If Jesus didn't get up, we Christians, can I just, we're the most to be pitied. Singing about Jesus, putting Jesus on shirts, planting churches in a warehouse, giving our lives to ministry efforts. If he didn't get up, we're most to be pitied. Feel bad for us. What are we doing singing to a dead man? Why? Let's go do something else, please. Preaching messages. Building crosses. We're the most to be pitied. But not only does that translation say most to be pitied, but I want to draw from the King James translation. A different text says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, we're the most miserable ones. Because we're placing our hope on a dead hope. There's nothing more miserable than already knowing how the game finishes. Like, if you're a UCLA fan right now, It's gonna be a miserable finish for you, all right? I'm just gonna say that spoiler alert. But friend, some of y'all clapping, right? But, But I'll tell you what, if you already know how the game ends, right, you can be joyful in this place. You can approach life differently. You have a living hope because he got up, right? Death is not the final victory. Future is not hopeless. Friend, our future is hopeful. Our our future is full because he got up. I just want to ask you today, do you know your future? Do you know this Savior who got up from the grave? Do you know the one who died and rose? Do you know the one who could bear the guilt and the stain and the sins of your past, present, And future because if you know him you know where you're going if you know him you know where you're going Jesus said I'm the way everybody say way Jesus said I'm the truth John 14 6 everybody say truth Jesus said I'm the life everybody say life John 14 6 I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me You can know where you're going. You can put in your GPS map heaven, and it's going to say Jesus died, Jesus rose. Put your faith in him, and you'll get there. Amen? But you need that whole package. I recently read a story about Albert Einstein, and maybe you're familiar with Dr. Albert Einstein. He was known as the smartest man to ever live. And there was this story about how Dr. Einstein once aborted a train. He was getting ready to go to a next stop, and he gets up to the front, and the conductor says, "Uh, excuse me, do you have your train ticket? And Dr. Einstein began to feel all around his pockets and look everywhere, and he said, I can't find my ticket. And the conductor said, well, guess what? Good news. I know who you are. You're Dr. Albert Einstein. Come right on to the train. And then he went around and did his business, and then he checked other people in, checked other people in, and he looked, and he still saw Dr. Einstein looking all over, Albert Einstein, looking around, checking his pockets, lifting things up. I can't find my ticket. The conductor comes back. And he says, Sir, I, I, I know who you are. Come on. And Dr. Einstein said, I know who I am too. I just need to know where I'm going. Right? The reality is, Not enough people know where they're going. We're looking, we're searching. Can this get me there? Can this take me there? Can this take away my sin? Can this take away my shame? Can this take away my fear? Can this help me with my future? And the reality is the only thing that can help you is a living Savior who took away your sins, who rose from the grave, who promised you he'll be with you, he'll come back for you. You'll go with him. That not only do you have victory over death, but you can have victory in life through your faith in Christ. As I close, I'll invite our worship team to come back and join me as we'll close with one final song. I want to go ahead and I want to flip all six points. Let me go ahead and share all six one more time. Right? Preaching is powerless if Jesus didn't get up. Faith is useless if Jesus didn't get up. Disciples are deceived if Jesus didn't get up. Sin is triumphant if Jesus didn't get up. Death is dominant if Jesus didn't get up. Future, hopeless if Jesus didn't get up. But friends, if he did get up. Come on, somebody, give me a drum roll, please. If he did get up. Let me give you the next slide. Preaching, that's powerful. Faith, that's useful. Disciples are dependable. Sin, conquerable. Death, defeatable. Future, is hopeful. Amen? And we stand upon that promise here today as brothers and sisters in this house. Let me pray for us as we close. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I just want to pray for everybody here today, everybody watching online. Thank you that he got up. We plant our feet upon the promise that Jesus is alive that God, the most well-attested to fact in the history of the world is that Jesus got up. That history is staked upon the reality that Jesus got up. That it's 2021 because 2021 years ago, he got up. The date changed at his life. Our lives changed at his life. And today, somebody may be here, that needs to respond to this message. With all heads bowed, with all eyes closed, I wanna give you a chance to receive Jesus as your savior, as your lawyer, as your risen king. Right now, you can just pray this prayer by faith. You can repeat these words. It's not the words that save you, it's your faith in Christ that saves you. But I wanna lead you in this time. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. I turn away from my sins, I repent. I put my faith in Christ, who's alive. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive you as my Savior. Change my destiny. I know where I'm going. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I confess that you're my God, that you died and rose, and I'm with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.